Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Newfield. Today, Jordan is back with me and we are going to be talking about leverage, mostly the idea of borrowing to invest. Jordan, it's a bright sunny day here in Saskatoon. No better time than the present to be on the mic, right? Absolutely. Excited to be back. It's a nice day staring out the window. Looking forward to it. Awesome. This is great. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. As usual, the survey that we sent out, we actually had lots of responses to that. So thank you very much for that. We got lots of ideas for things that we can do on the podcast going forward. And a lot of that is due to your feedback. So thanks again for that. Okay. So today's episode, we are talking about leverage. Jordan, what is leverage? Pretty simply, borrowing money to invest. So you might have seen that through maybe a mortgage, a home equity line of credit, investment loans, something called margin. Yeah, but at its simplest definition, it's when you take someone else's money to buy something, an asset uh, with cash that you don't have. Right. So you said that with a mortgage, that is also a way to do that. So if, if your house is an asset, it retains its value and things like that. But average house price in Canada, what was it? 750,000, yeah, something like that. It's a lot. Those of you listening in Toronto and Vancouver, your situation is a lot different than us here in Saskatoon, of course. Let's, whatever, we don't need to talk about the specifics of prices, but if you're doing a 5% down payment, that means that you're buying a house with a total cost that you're only contributing to 5% of. So in that case, you're taking a 20 to 1 leverage on that asset. So you used the the power of the bank and the power of debt to acquire an asset worth way more than your cash could provide. So when a lot of people think of leverage, they think, oh, it's like the people making dumb decisions or, you know, someone that's super risky. It's like, no, if you have a mortgage, sorry, you're, <laughs> you're leveraged. You're also using leverage. Yeah, exactly. So maybe let's, let's jump ahead and talk. Why would someone actually consider using leverage? Like what, what's the point there? Yeah. So, you know, Quite simply, like we talked about, mortgages, everyone's using them, or lots of people are using them anyways. There's a, a quote in the in the Global Mail recently that today more and more people are, are getting HELOCs than ever before. So HELOC is a home equity line of credit. That's where you take equity that you've built up in your house and borrow against that for the purposes of whatever you want, really, I guess. But home renovation, sure, going on a vacation. use it however you, however you please, but that is borrowed money, right? So there's an interest cost associated with that. More and more people are accessing that, especially here in Canada where, you know, let's stick with BC and Ontario. Home prices have probably appreciated quite significantly, especially if you've owned your home for a decent amount of time. You might have significant equity there built up that you're thinking about, how do I tap into this to to buy something else today? Right. And in most cases, depends on your lender and a variety of other circumstances, but the idea with a HELOC is that your bank or your lender will provide up to 80% of the value of your home, less your mortgage. Uh, Of course, so say you don't have a mortgage on a million dollar property, you could theoretically have a home equity line of credit for about $800,000. I could come up with some ideas for things I could do with $800,000. Any ideas, Jordan? It'll have different terms than your mortgage. You know, your mortgage perhaps has a fixed rate of interest for five years at a certain rate. Your HELOC will be will be different. It might only have minimum interest payments, but it'll probably be variable. It might be tied to the prime rate, which kind of brings us to our second point of why is this relevant today? Interest rates are going up. So rapidly. Quite rapidly, yeah, exactly. Both here in the States, globally to some extent. So the interest rates were very low, which made the premise of specifically a HELOC, but any real leverage scenario more attractive. And as interest rates come off 
very low to still quite historically low, but you know, high for our recent memory or higher anyways, that makes your debt perhaps less affordable and just something else to consider. This dovetails back into our conversations about inflation and interest rates and you know how this will affect inflation, right? So if thing if the cost of borrowing is going up, then it makes a lot of sense that it's like, oh my goodness, if if I could borrow at 2%, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii. Like that's free money. But if it's 7%, ooh. It's a different story. It's a different conversation. So even though interest rates are going up, the Globe and Mail is reporting through TransUnion, so it's a credit monitoring company. They're reporting that in the first three months of this year, 2022, the total amount owing on mortgages, loans, lines of credit, and credit cards jumped 9.2% just in the first three months. That's a lot. That's a lot. And Rob Carrick from the Globe and Mail, his comment on the stat, he said, note the disconnect. Rates today are rising in a fast and fierce way, which makes it a bad time to add to your debt. He's kind of stating the obvious there. It's like, okay, when debt is more expensive, you probably don't want to have it. So this, this is why this conversation is relevant today. Another thing that I was thinking of there is along with the inflation side of things, when your cash flow is going to things like groceries and higher gas prices and things like that, your home is going to represent a greater percentage of your household wealth because you don't have the ability to save and invest into other things necessarily because your money is all going to consumables and, and things like that. So when homes are a greater percentage of your household wealth, many people start to look at alternatives to diversify their investments. And you might hear the term unlock equity in their homes. And like we said before, this is much more common in places like BC and Ontario, where those mortgage payments are huge or if they're attainable at all. And so people just don't have the ability to invest in other things just because the cash flow isn't there. So this is going to be relevant for a long time, regardless of interest rates, as long as housing prices stay where they are. So let's talk about who is leverage appropriate for, and I think the other side of that coin also says, what are the risks involved with leverage? So we're going to do a bit of a yin and yang here on the appropriateness of leverage, perhaps. Yeah, and this is going to be more thinking about it from the perspective of borrowing money to invest, perhaps in stocks or bonds or mutual funds or, or just general markets more in general crypto. Uh, you know, we were reading an article here that a lot of people have borrowed as much as like 32% to have people invested in crypto have used a payday loan in the past. Like it's, it's quite significant and, and kind of scary to, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, so this, this will be more kind of talking about borrowing money, maybe using your HELOC or something like that for the purpose of investing. Maybe let's back up and let's yeah. clarify that a little bit more then. So the, the theory is, so you've got a home equity line of credit, say you've access to $100,000, that's value of your home. Instead, what you do is you take that money out and you could go to a brokerage account or an advisor or a cryptocurrency exchange, God forbid here, <laughs> uh, and, and you buy something with that. So that's dividend paying stocks or bonds or something along those lines. And the way that it works in the meantime is that you pay interest on the loan, but you hope for a gain on the investment, hopefully a gain that offsets the cost of the debt. That's kind of the the power of leverage and, and maybe the mechanism here. I hope you're hearing here on this podcast that leverage isn't necessarily good or bad for everybody. It can be appropriate, but in many cases it is not. So don't hear this as being an advocate for it 
necessarily, but let's, let's maybe get into that. Like what are some situations where it could be appropriate? Yeah, definitely just want to, yeah, have those considerations. So let's talk about first time investors. I, I would think that we feel that leverage is not appropriate for people who are just getting started with investing. If you are newer to the investing space, you should really focus on understanding investing first, what that means, how do I invest, where do I invest, what do I do, before exposing yourself to additional risk that comes with leverage. Is there risk with an investment, Jordan? Yeah, yeah of course. Yes. Yeah. Look at uh, <laughs> look the, where we are right the now. The first six months of this year have not been great. So yeah, oh. there's there's absolutely absolutely risk, which kind of brings us to the second point that leverage is more suitable if you have a longer time horizon. In the short term, investments can be quite volatile and you know a bit more of a un, uncertainty of what might happen. So the shorter your time horizon is for needing that money, the less you should expose yourself to, to that leverage risk. You might just get the timing wrong. However, as that time horizon gets longer and longer and longer, historically, it's more likely that that would play out in your favor. So if you need the money, this isn't a get rich quick thing. If you need the money in the near term, Unfortunately, people do see it as a get rich quick. Thing. Sure. That's why people are doing payday Absolutely. loans in the crypto. Right? It's yeah. not though, right? And like totally. that has the power exactly. to compound in the in wrong the direction way. for you where now you owe money on your HELOC or wherever you borrowed it from. And the investment that the asset that backs it is has declined in value as well. Maybe let's jump in here and give a quick example of how it could work just with some dollars and cents here. So let's talk about a total of an investment of $100,000. And in one circumstance, you put in the 100000 yourself. There's no cost to doing that because you had the cash. On the other hand, you use leverage to obtain the 100000 So say you put in fifty and you borrow fifty. So you, in both scenarios, there's still the same 100000 However, when you borrow, let's call it a borrowing cost of 5% on that, okay? Then over time, let's call it a year, your investment gain was 10%. So in both cases, you put in 100, however you obtained it, and you had a final value of 110. Pretty good deal. Great year. Yep. <laughs> okay. With the person who used the leverage, that 5% borrowing cost means that their 110000 is then reduced by about 2500 bucks. We're kind of using year-end rounding math here, but let's just... Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Okay. So now the gain in that person's situation is only 7500 bucks. But if you didn't use leverage, your gain is still 10000 However, now let's look at your rate of return versus what you put in. So even though there was a cost to borrow, the person who used leverage only put in 50,000 of their own. So that $7,500 return, net return on 50 is actually 15%. Whereas the other person still just had the 10 that they got from the market. So you can see the power of this even with a cost associated with it. Now let's see the opposite side of this when there's a loss maybe. Jordan, do you want to walk us through that one? Yeah, so this is, you know, think of leverage as that lever that has the ability to magnify. So we just went through the, the, the good scenario where it was a positive outcome and it magnified the rate of return. I'm the positive one in the group. Absolutely, here, right? I'll be the I'll yeah. be the Debbie down here. Let's go through the opposite scenario <laughs> yeah, where it uh, where it magnifies it on the downside. So same scenario, same investment amount, same you know one scenario you borrow half of it, the other scenario you put it all in, same five percent borrowing cost, but this year instead of the ten percent gain, you had a ten percent loss. So after you could factor in the loss and the borrowing cost, if you put in all the money, you lost ten thousand dollars. 
if you put in 50,000 with borrowing cost, you actually lost 12,500. Because you still had to pay interest on an investment that lost value. It doesn't matter whether it's going up or down, that interest cost is due and you, you owe that. Yeah. So in the no leverage scenario, you're down 10%. That's that's it. The rate of return is is negative 10%. However, in the leverage scenario, because you lost 12500 on a $50,000 investment of your own capital, that actually comes out to a rate of return of negative 25% on that year. So we can really see how that lever can work in both directions. In this case, it's working more on the downside to, just to magnify those, those gains and losses. Absolutely. And we're talking about a gain or loss here of 10%. If you recall our conversations on bear markets and crashes and things like that, the average intra-year decline, even in years that end up positive throughout the year, is 14%. It happens. These things are happening virtually every year. And that's where, you know, back to our point about your time horizon. If, Bingo. If this is a three-month play or whatever, just some short-term play to make money quickly. Yeah. Just think about those couple simple examples and, and let's talk more about, I'll be the negative Nancy here. <laughs> the loss side, if you get that timing wrong in that three-month period, it can it can have some pretty serious consequences. For sure. So this kind of goes into a, our next point of who is leverage appropriate for or not appropriate for. It is not for risk-averse investors. And you know, one of our other partners here, Stephen, we, we kind of laughed about a commenter we saw online during the, the bull market over the last number of years. The guy said, I love risk. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you love return, right? Mm. No one loves risk, but that's the price of admission to participating in investment markets, right? So for some people, you can handle it from a financial standpoint. So you could have saved a lot of money. You could have a defined benefit pension at work. You could have government benefits and all that kind of stuff. So your retirement comes around and said, okay, I didn't actually need to take on much risk because I've saved a ton of money and things like that. So that's called risk capacity. It's like whether you have the ability to take on risk because you have backstops elsewhere. Now there's risk attitude as well. It's a, what, what do you feel? You know, when market goes down 10%, do you still go out and see your friends and family or whatever, or do you lose sleep at night? You know, are you looking at your portfolio every day or are you spending time on your hobbies, right? It's like, how do you actually feel and react to times in the market that are adverse outcomes than what you anticipated? So leverage is a situation where if you are a nervous person or someone that doesn't have a a positive risk attitude, then leverage is not going to be your friend here at all. Definitely not. Okay. So talking about that risk capacity there, this also relates to your debt picture as well. So if you are someone that has significant debts, even pretty benign things like car payments or maybe unsecured lines of credit or whatever that a lot of you listening might have, adding an additional debt for the purpose of increasing your investment isn't something we can really stand behind here and, and recommend. This is something that was, is going to compound the risks of, of carrying that debt, es- yeah. especially in a situation where the vast majority of people that are borrowing to invest against their home, it's in a variable rate as well. And so the more debt you have, the more interest rate risk you expose yourself to. It kind of goes along the lines of considering your entire financial picture where you need to have the cash flow to afford those interest payments on your borrowed money to invest. So like we talked about, your entire debt picture needs to be considered. 
you need to have the cash flow, liquidity, whatever else to be able to, to afford those interest payments. And if you don't or consider the risk of rising interest rates, as we've talked about, consider how that will impact your ability to, to pay the bills on top of also now covering some additional interest costs. You mentioned paying the bills. Again, that interest cost is a new bill that you would yeah. have to carry. So in most cases, you wouldn't have to pay principal on that. And in some cases you will, mm. but either way, you've got a new cash flow item that you have to account for. And for most people, if you're using leverage in retirement or on a fixed income, that might be a red flag there. But if if you're still in your accumulation years and thinking this is for you, how stable is your employment? Yeah. You know, that would be a pretty large concern for somebody if they are regularly unemployed or seasonally unemployed. You know, here in Saskatchewan, we have a lot of folks that if you work outdoors, you're probably not working outdoors in winter. Anyways, it it can make it really challenging to consider adding debt payments on risky assets with unstable employment. I hope you're getting the picture here that there's a lot of scenarios where this wouldn't be an advisable scenario for you. So I think the last thing that we just like to say about the risks is that leverage is very individualized. There's no rules of thumb here necessarily or blanket statements that we could make. You might have friends that are using leverage to invest. You might have family. You might have heard about it in the media. Maybe someone else is doing it with an advisor or without. Just be careful maybe and don't think that their situation applies to you. You know, go through your situation, figure out what makes sense. And if you have the ability, capacity, tolerance, all those sort of things to suitably explore leverage. And and hopefully, you know, if you do work with an advisor, hopefully there's an advisor there that can, can help you through that that process and, and understand it. Right. And just the general benefits of leverage are not going to be universal benefits to everybody. Like you said, it's very individualized. So yes, you could diversify into other assets and yes, you could buy low. You know, if you're buying things, it's great until it isn't right. And so just make sure it's appropriate for you. Not necessarily what you've read success stories or what does someone on a YouTube ad is, is touting as something that you should be doing. I think consider your, uh, try and zoom out in the grand scheme of life in, in 2020 and 2021 things were going great. <laughs> Markets were going great. You know, there's meme stocks and GameStop and things like that. You probably heard stories of people making a ton of money in a really short period of time. Good point. I don't know about you, Evan, but I'm not hearing those same stories in the last six months. Ooh. That is sure quieted down. Ooh. And so I, I think my point is just like, yeah, you might feel like you're missing out in those moments where you hear about someone else, but that's, understand you're hearing the exceptional stories. And then you also don't hear about it when it goes the exact opposite way for them. Right. And so just, yeah, just, just try not buy into the, the missing out, I guess, philosophy. And, and, and certainly, you know, kind of back to our conversation about just keep buying there, that book, it's a long-term strategy investing and, and this isn't a get rich overnight sort of thing at all. Right. Okay. Let's finish off with one practical or a few practical items here. If you were hearing this and you're familiar with leverage and you're a high risk investor, you've got a good income, no debt, all that kind of stuff. You say, Hey, maybe this is a good option. Stocks appear to be a little bit cheap right now or whatever. And all the other boxes are ticked for me. What are some other things that you actually should be aware of if you are considering leverage? Well, the big one is the ability to deduct your interest. And so the way that you have to do that, if you are wanting to deduct your interest from your taxes, you have to invest that money in a non-registered account. So to borrow to invest in a TFSA or borrow to invest in an RSP, that interest cost 
is not deductible. So when we gave our example before, I guess we didn't really do a tax deduction there. We could have done a, uh, it gets a little bit complicated. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But in any case, if you are wanting to deduct your interest, which is one of the common benefits that's touted for using leverage, it has to be in a non-registered account. Now, what other things can you invest in? CRA is relatively clear on what assets you can buy where the interest deductibility is actually applicable. And in their language, it says it has to be an income-producing asset. So something that is explicitly capital gains only, it won't be applicable here. We're getting into the weeds a little bit more than I would really like necessarily, but things like dividend-paying stocks or even just public equities that could distribute income back to back to investors those might be good options i would highly recommend that you talk to your accountant or tax professional before you do this just to make sure you're staying on the right side of the tax man so those are some things that you want to be aware of you can borrow and invest in a tfsa and perhaps there is some merit to doing that if you haven't already maxed out your tfsa but just know that your interest won't be able to be deducted in in such a situation there the other thing to be aware of is is just the variable interest rates that might be tied with your 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 borrowed money. So as interest rates go up, as prime rate goes up, so does your borrowing cost. So just as you're thinking about it, consider you know probably perform some sensitivity analysis on the borrowing rate today, and and think about where interest rates seem to be going in the future to understand that your interest cost will change if it is a variable rate loan. Right. And even if you're using margin in a brokerage account, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. But if you do know what it means, your brokerage is is going to be changing their their margin loans and their interest rates there, even though it's not as obvious as something that's tied to prime, like with a home equity line of credit or something like that. So just be aware of those things as well. So let's wrap this up here a little bit. What is leverage? It is borrowing. It is using someone else's money to finance the purchase of an asset. But in our case here, we were talking about borrowing money to invest. Leverage exists in a few other ways. We didn't really get into these other products, but you might have heard of leveraged ETFs, even trading options, things like that. Those are just plain and simple leverage, getting an outsized return or outsized risk for the amount of money that you put in. It's a magnifying glass on your own money. Why is it relevant today? Well, people are going into more debt than ever before. Interest rates are going up and homes are becoming a a much larger portion of people's wealth. And so they're looking to alternatives like using leverage or borrowing to invest to diversify and unlock the equity in their homes. Tons of risks involved with this, of course. Not, It's not going to be appropriate for a first-time investor, someone with a short time horizon, or someone that wants to be a trader, someone who doesn't have a high-risk profile, someone who has a whole lot of debt. And if you have no capacity to actually lose some money here, yeah, leverage is not going to be a play for you. However, if you see yourself on the other side of the coin, maybe it is appropriate. And so you, you want to start asking yourself some questions there and incorporate a good accountant along with you to make sure that your interest is able to be deducted and you minimize some of the risks there as well. Did I miss anything, Jordan? I think that's a nice summary. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Well, if you do have any questions about this, as usual, you can reach out to us through the contact info in the show notes. But thanks again for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. Any rates of return or investments discussed are historical or hypothetical and are intended to be used for educational purposes only. You should always consult with your financial, legal, and tax advisors before making changes to your financial plan. 
Evan Neufeld is a certified financial planner and registered investment fund advisor. Mutual funds and ETFs are provided by Sterling Mutuals, Inc. 